1: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of and audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and
0: January 28,
2: 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Ears Edition. tonight, our guest tonight, a very funny comedian here to talk about his Netflix special. Mo Amor is joining us, everyone. It's gonna be a really, really fun conversation. Also, also on the show, the shutdown has been shut down, and another one of President Trump's very fine people turns out to be a bad hombre. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. There are now only 644 days until the 2020 presidential election. And I don't know about you guys, but I've already set my DVR. Yeah. (laughs) I even added an extra five minutes in case it goes long. (laughs) And this race was going to be pretty simple, right? It was gonna be the best Democrat running against Donald Trump. But now, someone has thrown a grande wrench in the works.
3: The 2020 presidential race right now getting bigger by the day. A possible new contender, former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz. He says he's considering a run he would do as an independent, taking on both the president and the Democrats. Leading Democrats
2: are protesting because they're worried Schultz could siphon votes from their nominee and help the president win re-election.
0: I am seriously thinking of running for president. I will run as a centrist independent outside of the two-party system.
2: Okay, I don't know if this is his plan or not, but after hearing him speak, now I need a coffee. This is (laughs) my plan to run for president, Also, his announcement sounds like a really complicated Starbucks order, right? When he's, like, a centrist independent... It sounds like someone would order that. Can I get a centrist independent outside of the two-party system? No foam, no foam. (laughs) So it would be Mr. Pumpkin Spice Latte taking on an actual pumpkin spice latte, (laughs) which is pretty cool. Be interesting. <laughs> although, although I will say this, if I was a Democrat, I wouldn't be worried about the Starbucks CEO running against me because you know he's probably going to spell his name wrong on the ballot, so <laughs> it's not going to work out. Speaking of billionaires with nothing better to do than ruin everyone's life, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Yesterday, the Facebook CEO announced that he is planning to combine Facebook and Instagram with the messaging service WhatsApp, which is great news, because Facebook and Instagram get hacked all the time, and WhatsApp never does. Yeah, so now people who only use WhatsApp don't have to feel left out anymore. Yeah, this is... (laughs) this is such a junk idea. (laughs) This is trash. The last thing anyone wants is to mix those three worlds. Instagram is where you slide into the DMs, all right? Facebook is for ignoring news from your family. And WhatsApp is for when you want to join ISIS, all right? They need to be separate, (laughs) totally separate. Otherwise, we're gonna get mixed up. I don't want to send a dick pic to my aunt, and I definitely don't want to send one to ISIS again. (laughs) Moving on to international news. A major event was just announced in Afghanistan.
1: The United States and Taliban have agreed in principle to a peace framework.
0: The United States is considering a full withdrawal of troops in Afghanistan, and that would be in return for a ceasefire and commitment by the Taliban to keep Afghan territory from being used as a staging ground for terrorist groups like al-Qaeda.
1: This would be the biggest step toward ending the nearly two-decade-long war in Afghanistan to date. Damn, I... I'd even forgotten
2: there was still a war in Afghanistan. I... I feel like we all stopped watching after season nine. It was like... <laughs> yeah, it was like the Grey's Anatomy of Conflict. It's like, I get it, you know? But I am glad that there could be an end in sight. It's also funny how... America has lowered its expectations in Afghanistan, right? First, America was like, Afghanistan will be a fully-fledged democracy. Then it was like, okay, well, maybe not a democracy, but no more terrorism. Now it's just like, okay, I'm just gonna close the door and you guys keep it down in there, okay? (laughs) All right, let's move on to our main story. After 35 days of the longest shutdown in American history, America's government is officially open for business. The shutdown is over.
1: 800,000 furloughed federal workers will go back to work today and should be getting their back pay within days.
3: That fix only opens the government for three weeks, and it does not provide any new money for a border wall, as President Trump had demanded. I am very proud to announce today that we have reached a deal to end the shutdown and reopen the federal government.
2: Okay, first of all, there's nothing to be proud of. Second of all, there's not really a deal. Like, have you ever noticed how all of Trump's accomplishments are just fixing things that he broke? (laughs) He's like, folks, good news. I freed the immigrant kids from their cages. Wait, who put them in cages? Also me. I'm glad to announce North Korea isn't gonna blow us up anymore. Wait, why were they gonna blow us up? Because I called him a fat little rocket man. And who can forget when he dropped the White House bust of Abraham Lincoln, but then he was also the one who taped it back together. Yeah, and you can't even tell the difference. He's like, uh, I'm proud to announce the refurbishment of this Lincoln statue. Sadly, it was not filled with candy as I had hoped, folks. (laughs) So the government shutdown is officially over, which is great because federal workers are getting paid again. The FDA can inspect food again, and the national parks can finally clean up their trash and put it where it belongs, the ocean. And although the shutdown ended, that doesn't mean it hasn't left behind some lasting damage.
3: The nonpartisan budget office today estimated the last partial shutdown cost the economy $11 billion, $3 of which will never be recovered. The government shutdown was particularly hard on contract employees. Those contractors aren't guaranteed Mm. back pay. The IRS is gonna be struggling to get returns out to some Americans on time. It could take at least a year to get back to normal, after five million pieces of mail went unopened.
2: You know, life is so unfair. The IRS just gets to be like, oh, sorry, we couldn't do your taxes because we didn't open our mail. But if we tried that, If we said, oh, we didn't file our taxes because we didn't open our mail, now all of a sudden we're roommates with Wesley Snipes. (laughs) And don't get me wrong, I love Blade, but not 24 hours a day. (laughs) So now, thanks to the shutdown, the IRS is behind, like, a year, which is bad news for everyone except Trump. He's probably gonna be like, oh, that's too bad. I was just about to have them release my tax returns. So although it was only 35 days, the government shutdown's effects will continue to hurt America for a while. And maybe it would have been all worth it for Trump if he had gotten some of that sweet, sweet war money, but he folded with nothing to show for it. And even some of his strongest supporters are admitting that Trump got owned by Nancy Pelosi bigly.
1: Some right-wing media analysts have been merciless
4: in their criticism of President Trump. Broken man, biggest wimp. Trump just allowed
1: Nancy to walk all over him.
3: It's clear Trump did not come out on top. I'm not gonna spin it for you. She has just whipped the president of the United States. in this... No, uh, no, no, stop. Stop, stop. (laughs) That's a victory for Nancy Pelosi. It will be perceived as such on every television monitor uh, and screen in the country. And to deny it is to try to escape from reality. Damn.
2: You know it's bad when even Trump's personal cheerleaders are dunking on him. You understand, these are the people he watches every night to make him feel good about himself, and now they're trashing him. It's like, imagine if you had a book of inspirational quotes that you used every day, and then one day you opened it, and it was like, nigga, kill yourself. (laughs) That's the pain he's feeling right now. (laughs) And you heard... you heard what Lou Dobbs said. If you can't acknowledge that Nancy Pelosi whooped Trump's ass, then you are not in touch with reality. And honestly, I don't know why Lou Dobbs delivered this message on TV. He could have just posted a sign in the Fox News break room. Anyone out there, by the way, thinking President Trump caved today? You don't really know the Donald Trump I know. He right now holds all the cards. He will secure the border one way or another. I don't see it as a cave.
0: I see this as a process. This is a halftime, uh, stop in the
1: action. So, did he cave? Did he not? The answer is absolutely he did not cave. He did not cave. He made a tactical decision, a strategy decision, to pick the ground to fight on.
2: To pick the ground to fight on. (laughs) To pick the ground. (laughs) Yo, this, I'm sorry, this is unbelievable. No matter what Trump does, He's always a mastermind who's accomplishing precisely what he wanted to do. Like, if Trump was boxing and he got knocked out cold, like, Janine Pirro would be like, brilliant, another strategic consciousness pause (laughs) by President Trump. You can't get knocked down if you stay on the ground. (laughs) But, But look, if you ignore the stands over at Fox News, it's pretty clear this shutdown was a political disaster for President Trump. It hurt the economy, it destroyed his approval ratings, and worst of all, he's not getting his wall. And remember, Congress only has three weeks to reach an agreement on border security before the government runs out of money again. But the good news is, the good news is, there probably won't be another shutdown. Because after seeing how bad this shutdown went, like, only a true moron <laughs> would think of shutting down the government again. And. <laughs> And no one one is that stupid, right?
3: We begin today with the president's acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney. Is the president really prepared to shut down the government again in three weeks? Uh, yeah.
2: I think he actually is. My man. (laughs) We'll be right back.
1: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of and audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at and
4: The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount+. Plus, and the stakes have never been higher.
0: Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
3: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
2: As we discussed earlier, the U.S. government reopened on Friday afternoon. But the FBI was already on the job at the crack of dawn.
0: The breaking news tonight. Longtime Trump ally and advisor Roger Stone indicted by special counsel Robert Mueller's grand jury and arrested in an early morning raid on his Florida home. FBI agents in bulletproof vest descending
4: on his home, guns drawn.
3: Stone was indicted on five counts of false statements, one count of obstruction, and one count of witness tampering. That's right. Special
2: counsel Robert Mueller has now charged a sixth associate of Donald Trump. This time it was Roger Stone, personal advisors to the president and what Mike Pence would look like after one drink. (laughs) Now, (laughs) usually, usually when someone in President Trump's circle comes under investigation, Trump downplays his connection to them. You know, it's what he does. You know, it's like how Trump said that Paul Manafort was barely on the campaign, or that George Papadopoulos was a coffee boy, or Jared Kushner was just his But (laughs) Trump might have a harder time dismissing Roger Stone. And not just because Stone dresses like he crashes British weddings, but also because a big question in this investigation is whether the Trump campaign coordinated with WikiLeaks to release Hillary's hacked emails, right? And in his indictment, Mueller says that Roger Stone was directed to contact WikiLeaks by someone in the Trump campaign. Now, was that someone Trump himself? We don't know. But if it wasn't Trump, you would expect his people to just come out and say so. But instead, they're avoiding the question like it's a friend's poetry reading.
3: The charges brought against Mr. Stone have nothing to so, do with so, the president. That's what I'm clear on, and that's what I can tell you about it today.
1: You, you keep telling me you're clear on that, but then you will not answer whether it was the president who directed a senior Trump campaign official to contact Roger Stone. And you may not know. You may not know. All I'm saying I, is I you can I actually can't...
3: have answered the question that several times. You just don't like my answer. No, 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 no. You, you, uh, you haven't two told me. things did, aren't the same.
1: Well, did the president know or not? Did, was it the president who made that direction or not?
3: Uh, Once again, I I haven't read this document. I'm not an attorney. I'm not gonna be able to get into the weeds on those specifics. That's right, I'm not an attorney. I can't tell you what the truth is. I'm not qualified.
2: (laughs) Like, is it just me or does Sarah Huckabee Sanders say all Trump people had nothing to do with Trump whenever shit hits the fan? I feel like this whole thing is gonna end with her coming out like, uh, Donald Trump had nothing to do with the Trump presidency. He was totally out of the loop, (laughs) practically made zero decisions at all which actually I'd believe, I will I'd be like, yeah, I, I believe that, I believe that from you. Now, look, we don't know how this will all end. Roger Stone may turn out to be the key to the Mueller investigation, and he may end up going to jail, probably without even collecting $200. We'll see. <laughs> but, but, I will say this. It was really interesting to see how his supporters and Trump supporters on the right reacted to the way he was arrested. This morning before sunrise, heavily armed FBI agents dressed in full tactical gear, surrounding the home of a 66-year-old man, drawing their
3: weapons, pounding on the door, and they took him into custody. It was well beyond unnecessary to go breaking into a man's home who's 66 years old. I'm 66 years old. I don't
0: own a firearm.
3: These are Gestapo tactics. Let's to storm my house,
0: with uh, greater uh, force than was used to take down Bin Laden or El Chapo or or Pablo Escobar. It's unconscionable.
2: Okay, okay, okay. Calm down, fourth blind mouse. Calm down. (laughs) Calm down. It wasn't more force than Bin Laden. Bin Laden's at the bottom of the ocean right now. (laughs) And he's probably like, oh yeah, I've got fish swimming through my head, but you had it real rough, Raja, real rough. Like, here's the thing I find interesting about all of this, right? You have Trump and his people lambasting the police for what they did. And it's interesting to me how, for how long, how many, how many years have black people been saying, police in America are extreme, the way they arrest people, the way they interact with citizens when they're taking them away. Black people have been saying it for a long time. And every time black people say it, what do they say on Fox? What do they say on the right? What do they always say? They're always like, oh, well, that's the law. You know, blue lives matter. That's what this is about, you gotta respect the police. They're doing their jobs. And then when one of them gets arrested, they're like, did you see how he held me? He put my hands behind my back. You can't do anything when your hands are behind your back. I'm a 66-year-old man. And it's like, yeah, but, but look at what the police do to young black kids. And then they'll be like, yeah, but you know, this kid, how are the police supposed to know? How are they supposed to know with Roger Stone? They'd be like, these police were out of hand, they were controlling Gestapo. Really? (laughs) When the cops arrest you, the Nazis? And then when they go after black people, you're like, well, that's the law, you know? You shouldn't have gotten on the wrong side of the law. (laughs) Look, I'll be honest with you. I agree with Roger Stone. I think the amount of force that the police used to arrest him did seem excessive. Coming in with bulletproof vests, like you, you don't need that for the guy. But I also don't blame the cops. They were just following orders from
3: the top. When you see these thugs being thrown into the back of a paddy wagon, you just see them thrown in, rough. I said, please don't be too nice. <laughs> like when you guys put somebody in the car and you're protecting their head, you know? The way you put their hand over. I said, you can take the hand away, okay?
2: <laughs> yeah, poor Trump. He thought that rough policing would only apply to MS-13. Who knew they would also be using it on the MAGA 6. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a comedian whose Netflix stand-up special is called The Vagabond. Mohammer! <laughs> Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, a lot of the time they say that, uh, the best comedy comes from the biggest tragedies, and in many ways your life could be considered by some as being a rolling series of tragedies that you've turned into comedy and you've turned into success. A little bit of your story would shock most people out there. You are someone who came to America as a refugee. Correct
4: from Kuwait, correct? I was born in Kuwait. Right. I left Kuwait after the first Gulf War. Right. Which I like to call the prequel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to a really nice private British English school in Kuwait, and then uh, we migrated to Houston, Texas. And That's uh, a culture shock. It's a culture shock, and they put me in ESL class, <laughs> which is uh, English as a second language class, and I was the fir- only guy that spoke English in the class. <laughs> <laughs> walk in all the kids are like hola tu eres nuevo aquí I'm like, i had a hint of a british accent i'm like sorry uh, what language are you speaking all of a sudden this other dude just rolls up out of nowhere he's like you're weird dude why do you talk like that eh and that was my teacher know, it was a very weird
2: <laughs> situation This is, like, here, here's the thing. A lot of the time when, you know, when we have these conversations in America about, like, immigrant, refugee, etc., it's always, like, like, a sad story. It's always, yeah. like, you know, these people who need this place as refuge. But, but you, you really have an interesting story about how your mom was the driving force behind getting your family to the U.S. and yeah. starting up a new life. Just from your perspective, like, how would you try to explain to somebody what it is like to be a refugee and how hard it is to come into the United States?
4: Um, it's really difficult to explain or put into words the excruciating process of getting your citizenship. Right. It took me 20 years... Wow. ...to get my citizenship. I traveled all over the world doing stand-up comedy without a passport.
2: Wait, how do, you, how do you travel without a passport?
4: They give you a United States travel document that is only good for, like, a year, and then you have to... You know, most countries need more of a year validity on your passport to even enter the country. Right. It's incredibly complicated. In most cases, I'm not even allowed to go, but I just would go and see what would happen anyway. Uh, <laughs> I would get questioned in a lot of different countries. Uh, so, you let, know. so let
2: me understand this. Yeah. You, you are a uh, Palestinian, Kuwaiti, uh, Muslim... Traveling the world yeah. with no passport and you were like, Yeah, I want to try to do this in more countries. Yeah. <laughs> well the thing, I'm born in Palestinian. How many, a Palestinian times, how many times did you yeah. get how many times did you get stopped? Like how many times were you Every even, time.
4: Like... No, it was every time. To the point to when I became a citizen and I was re-entering America and he was like, okay, go ahead. And I was like, no, are you sure? I think there's another <laughs> there's something else that needs to happen here. Is I feel awkward. Can we just talk for a little right. while? <laughs> I'm serious it did. It's a <laughs> I was like, what's going on? I was like, no. I was like, no, we need to chat a little bit. Like, Japan was my favorite interrogation I ever right. had. It was just an hour of them trying to figure out what I did for a living. Uh, the entire hour, for real, consisted of, so what is your occupation? I was like, oh, I'm a comedian. He's like, comedian? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy! I'm like, yeah, I'm a <laughs> I do comedy, comedian? Yeah, I do. I'm a comedian, comedian. I'm like, am I being roasted right now? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, his buddy walks in. His partner, he's like, that "How did How did comedian not? And he goes, "Oh yeah, he's like a Bill Cosby." <laughs> and that's what got me off was Bill Cosby. <laughs> I mean, not literally, <laughs> not literally. Very
2: wrestling guy. Um, you-you-you have this really interesting journey growing up in America. It takes 20 years to become a resident, um... Citizen, a citizen. C- citizen, yeah, sorry, citizen, yeah. right? And-and here, here's the thing that, I, that I've always wondered from your, your perspective. You know, do-do you ever find yourself in a space where because you speak about things that are happening in the U.S., people are like, hey, you should just be grateful to be in the U.S. Don't talk about anything that might be going wrong in the U.S. because the U.S. has welcomed you in. Yeah. Um, nah. <laughs> I mean, look, as an Arab-American,
4: uh, Muslim, Palestinian on top of it, you know, someone who's fled war... I was nine years old, so right. I didn't really know much. It's not like, hey, Mom, are you sure about Houston? You just had to go. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm a very proud Houstonian, and I grew up in Ailey, which is a really multicultural neighborhood. But the thing is, is that growing up that way, I was always, you know, told to not talk about politics, not say anything, because they're going to send us back. Wow. That was, that was the whole thing. Shh, don't say anything. They're i to send you back, you know? Make sure you don't talk about... I was like, you know, all this stuff that's been festering inside for so many years, that's why when I started stand-up comedy, it was the perfect outlet for me to allow me to express everything that was happening to me. And also, you know, releasing the special and seeing the reaction from so many different people that can relate to the same story, that have refugees, that are refugees, that went through a similar process, right. that are you know, dealing with the immigration system right now. They talk about extreme vetting. I mean, my God, it took us 20 years. How much more extreme can it be? Well, you want it to take forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's the point. And so it's very, very frustrating. But at this point in time, I'm an American citizen. So in your face, bitch, I say whatever I want. <laughs> You, you become really confident once you get that passport. Like, <laughs> once I have the passport, like, what you gonna do now?
2: They, they can take it away from you. Can they? Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> that's what, that's, that, that, that was one of the things that, like, you know, people were, were, were talking about with Trump. They said, like, oh, you never know what he's gonna do. You never know, you know, Trump was floating ideas like, our citizenship's real? Have people lied about things, et cetera, et cetera. Oh. And a lot of people who are uh, refugees or maybe came to the U.S. as immigrants had this connection with Trump where they were worried. You had a different connection with Trump, which is one of the reasons you 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 came into prominence. Really insane story right. where you found yourself on a plane seated next to Eric Trump.
4: That's, yeah. Um, you know, being a frequent flyer helps sometimes. Uh, I didn't know this was going to happen. Like, I, I was upgrading to first class, right. and I ended up sitting next to Eric Trump. I didn't even know I was going to get upgraded because I put my name on the list right. way too late. I'm, you know, comedians are... You know the best procrastinators in the business. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, and I didn't know I was gonna get upgraded, much less sit next to Eric. But I do know one thing: the lady that upgraded me, is probably a Clinton supporter. You know, let's be real. She was probably sitting there like, oh, Eric Trump is on my flight. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. I don't know why she has a mustache, but okay. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's an empty seat next to Eric. Let me take a look at this upgrade list. See who's standing by patiently here. Oh, Mohammed Mustafa.
2: I tell you, man, I've seen your stand up on the road. Uh, you were amazing opening for Dave Chappelle. The special is truly phenomenal. I tell everyone to go out and watch it. Thanks so much for coming man, on the show. so much. I for hope to see me. you again. That's the vagabond right. is currently available on Netflix. Please go and watch it. Mohammed, everybody.
0: Go,